Isn't that just an awesome ministry to be a part of? Anytime we sow into people's lives, how many of you know you just can't go wrong? You know, I wanted to uh, personally just thank this church. You folks are such a giving church. I just commend you in the Lord. I commend you for your Father's heart, the heart of a servant to help people. I, one thing i got to do today, I, I want to just uh, acknowledge uh, Neam and Megan who kind of spearheaded that ministry yesterday, what happened. I know many of you were part of that, but Neam and Megan spearheaded that, took it by the horns, and, and many of you as well. We couldn't have done it without the entire team. But, uh, uh, you know, we haven't done this for several years, but it was a real blessing. I, I wish I could have been out there yesterday, but I just couldn't because I was kind of uh, going through a little cold thing that I'm still kind of hanging on me now. But I rebuke it in Jesus' name, and I'm up here by faith. Praise God. But I, I want to commend you in the Lord for being such an amazing group of people. You know, the, you know the one thing that sticks out to me about this church? is your friendship. I love the way you honor people. People come into this house and they may not know the Lord. They may have a, they may have a, a kind of a, a damaged past. But you know what you do? You still love them. You reach out to them and you bless them. And I want to tell you that that's, that's big in the eyes of God. We love people and we serve them. And, and the next thing I wanted to just say is that you give from your heart. And I just commend you in that in the Lord. And uh, there's a word that I want to just kind of give a prophetic word the Lord laid on my heart today is that, you know, Jesus said in John chapter 15 that he says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. How many of you know that Jesus has come to be our friend? He wants wants you to understand how valued you are. He wants you to understand that, you know, one thing about a servant, servants serve because of the task or the assignment. They do it out of fear. Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And so when, we're, when there's a friendship involved, that relationship moves to a new level of expectation and, and favor. You know, one, of the, one thing I will tell people in marriage counseling, for instance, that one of the keys to intimacy in marriage is that your wife or your husband is still your best friend. My wife is still my best friend. And you know what? When we lose friendship, we begin to move into a place where we're just living together. We're existing or we're concerned about the, the duty, the assignment, the tasks, or what I need to do. But I, I want you to know that I, I believe this church is evolving from a servant's mentality into a friendship with Jesus where we're serving based on love. Amen? And I want you to know Jesus calls you friends and he loves you. He values, he sees something in you that is mighty in the Holy Ghost. And today, I want to just open, if we can take our Bibles into Mark chapter 6 this morning, I'm not going to speak too long, but I want to speak to you this morning. My title of my message is Moving from My World into His World. Amen. Moving from My World into His World. When you got saved, when Jesus came into your heart, how many of you know that Jesus saved you so that he could put heaven inside of you. His intent was to move you from your world into his world. Several years ago, I had a man who gave his heart to the Lord several years ago and came down and 
several months. I hadn't seen him for a long time. And he says, you know, Pastor Ray, I don't know if I'm really saved or not. And, and I said, you know, I remember when Jesus, I invited Jesus into my life and it seemed real and the Holy Spirit seemed real. And I, I, I knew that, that there was a, a conversion, something dramatic had taken place. But I noticed that I'm, I, I still seem like I'm the same old guy. I still seem like, you know, I'm not really growing or moving in the Lord. And I said, well, I said, do you know that Christianity is, is about a walk? It's about a relationship. And I, I said, most people today believe that all they need to do is come down and say a little confession, say a little prayer, take a little piece of literature home, and they think that's it. How many of you know that salvation is just the beginning of an amazing relationship? You see, God calls it going from glory to glory. And uh, one of the things he, he began to tell me, this young man, he said, you know, when I, when I received the Lord in my heart, one of the things I noticed that I was battling was with a lot of wrong thinking, a lot of wrong concepts about what God is and what Christianity is. And he had a lot of, of strongholds. And actually, there were some lies that he had heard over the years. And I said, you know, when you get saved, one of the most powerful and important things you need to do is it, your salvation begins you on a journey where you realize you need to start feeding on the milk of the Word. Everyone say the milk of the Word. The Bible says in Peter, it says, Oh, taste and see of God's graciousness, His gracious and how good He is. And I said, have you been feeding on God's goodness? He says, no. I didn't even know I was supposed to do that. And I said, listen, I can't change who you are until I change who, how you think. And you're never going to change how you think until you come to know how awesome Jesus is. You see, when people just stagnate and they stay where they're at in their Christian walk, it's because they haven't really come to know the beauty of who Jesus is. Salvation is the first step of a gazillion steps that you're taking in your paw. And that's why I want to just kind of put a plug in for uh, Brother James and Claire here, who's going to be doing a series on family discipleship. This is going to be amazing, and it's going to be awesome. I pray you come out, get blessed, get plugged in. God's going to open our eyes, open our hearts. He's going to take us to new levels. Amen. But when, when we grow in the Lord, God's intention is to take us higher. In fact, our, we need to be growing in the Lord. Amen? We're, we're not going backwards. We're moving on. There's no such thing as backsliding in the kingdom of God. We go from glory to glory. So I encourage this young man. I said, listen, if you are not more in love with Jesus than you were yesterday, then you're backsliding. Because when you come to know Jesus and who He is and how awesome He is, the Bible says that knowledge is what changes our nature. The Bible says it's because of His promises that we are changed into that same image. And so I asked him, what are you looking at? What are you beholding? He says, well, I'm still watching TV. I'm still going to the same clubs. I'm still uh, talking the same talk, reading the same magazines. I said, do you know that you need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism in water. That means that we're going to sever our old life, and it's the beginning of a brand new life. But it's not just coming to church, and it's not just about reading a Bible. It's about growing in the knowledge of who you are and what Jesus is to you. It's a marriage. It's a marriage. It's a relationship. It's a walk. And I said, as soon as you come to know that, 
I said, all of a sudden, you're going to experience righteousness. You're going to experience joy. You're going to experience momentum. Amen? I believe God wants us to have momentum in our relationship. So one of the things that I want to deal with this morning, continuing what I was speaking to last week about depression. Last week, we talked about depression, moving from my world into his world. First of all, we talked about when people are depressed, and it's important to understand this stronghold, because depression is a sign that you are under attack. Depression also means that you may be believing a lie. Amen? But I also want to say seven things about symptoms of depression. I'm going to move through this real quickly. Number one, I want you to understand these symptoms, and we're going to move right into the solution. Feelings of hopelessness and living in a constant state of pessimism about your future. That's what depression is. When people feel hopeless with a constant state of pessimism. How many of you know that today in America, they say over 70% of Americans today are wrestling with problems of depression. You would think in a country as rich as America, people are still popping pills and they're still feeling depressed. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no reason for a Christian to feel depressed. I understand we can go through grieving. I understand that we can go through seasons. Uh, but I believe God wants us, amen. When, when a righteous man falls, he gets up, amen. Number two, the second symptom is restlessness or being irritable as the norm. If you're a person who's always irritable, always pessimistic, you're always just, just, just kind of got bad junk coming out of your mouth. You're just pessimist. That's a sign of depression. But it's also a sign that you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know what Jesus has done for you. So you don't have to stay in that area of defeat. Number three, depression is when one cannot set goals for the life. When you find yourself wandering, there's no goals in your life. That'll make you depressed. I've talked to a lot of people. I'll say, what's your salute? Where's your goals? What are you heading for? Well, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of existing. Boy, there's nothing that will bring depression more without having goals. God wants you to have a goal, amen? Let me tell you, one of those goals need to, you need to understand is that you're more than conqueror. Number two, you need to know that God has given every person dreams. He comes to cultivate seed in your life so you can become a dreamer. Everyone, look at your neighbor and say, there's dreams in you. There's dreams inside of you. God's going to birth those dreams, amen? God's going to cultivate those things. Number three about dreams, too, you need to understand that God puts people in your life to help cultivate those dreams. I want to tell you, you're here at New Life Fellowship today, not just because you came here by accident. It's you're here because God wants to take you to greater levels. Amen? God wants to bring you higher. Everyone say higher. You're not going backwards. You're not just standing still. You're coming higher. Number four. Another reason, one of the symptoms, we find ourselves comparing ourselves with others. One of the biggest problems with depression is when you start looking at everyone else's success. You start looking at how great they're doing, how well they're doing, and you don't necessarily see any progress. That will get depressed, to bring depression. How many of you know that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the success of other people? Number four or five, when you magnify problems rather than focus on solutions. There's a lot of people who will say, man, you just don't know the job I have and the boss I work for. It's just horrible. Let me tell you, that's depressing. But how many of you know when you begin to say, but you know there's a God in heaven, amen, who's over my boss. I love the way Joseph responded, 
Amen. Even to his brothers when they cast him in prison. He said this, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much life. Joseph had a perspective. It kept him instead of going into depression. Number six, when you allow past failures to hold you hostage rather than seeing failure as a life experience to gain and grow in wisdom. How many of you know Jesus is not upset because you fail? Jesus is never upset because of failure. What he, does, what he does get concerned about is when you don't learn from your failure. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. That may sound a little strange, but it doesn't. As long as the righteous man keeps getting up. Let me tell you something. God is interested in you getting up. He wants you to learn. I love what Thomas Edison said to one of his uh, fellows working. He, he's the guy who invented the light bulb. And one day, one of his... Uh, Helpers came in after 3,000 experiments of failing in creating the light bulb. The guy said, aren't you kind of getting discouraged? Maybe we ought to try something else. He says, no, I'm only that much closer to success. In other words, Thomas Edison did not let 3,000 failings stop him from success. Finally, it was that one. But that one key, that one lesson came because of 3,000. You see, we grow and we learn from where we've come from. Amen? The devil wants to hold you hostage with your failure. God wants wants it to be a launching point. Number seven. Number seven is when you forget. Now, this is important. When you forget that depression is a choice. And that you are not a victim to your circumstances. Everyone say a choice. I know that some of us may not like that. When you get depressed, you're choosing that. You're making a choice. I'm depressed. No, you're choosing that. Because the Bible says that all things work together for good. The Bible says we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says you are not a failure. You're not a victim. The Bible says, I can. Everyone say, I can. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. You see, depression is a choice. I've got to share something with you. This past week, I went to the doctor. I had to go to the doctor. I had to go through an MRI. I had to get an MRI and get a, a CAT scan. How many of you have ever had an MRI done to you? I want to tell you something. I learned something about myself that I didn't know. I go into this thing, and it's, it's this huge x-ray machine that your body, you, you lay on a flat table, they elevate the table, and they slide you into this very, very narrow hole opening. And they, this woman slid me into this hole, and she said, you're going to be in there for 45 minutes. And I, I didn't think anything of it, but one thing I learned about Ray Galligan, he is claustrophobic. All of a sudden, this lady slides me into this hole. And she, and went, I mean, the, the, the front of this thing was like two inches. And, and I couldn't move. And she slides me in there. And I said, ah, pull me out now, please. Pull me out right now. And she says, and, and she's talking through a microphone into the machine. She says, Mr. Gallagher, we haven't even started yet. I know, but I need you to pull me out right now. Please, please, please. And so she pulls the, the table where my body's lying on this, this MRI. 
And I said, man, I tell you, I, I, I didn't know this was what this is all about. She says, yeah, well, we, we got about 25, 30 minutes. You're, you're on a table, and there's a lot of weird clicking and zipping and a lot of weird noises going on. And I said, man, I, I said, can, can I lift my head or move my head? She says, no, you can't move anything. And she says, did your doctor not give you a Valium? I said, I, I never knew I was supposed to take a Valium. She says, most people have a Valium when they come into this thing. Well, I, I, nobody gave me no Valium. Nobody even told me I needed to have a Valium. Well, just then, and I'm, I'm not kidding you, just then, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I'm not kidding you. And I, I just said, Ray, what did I tell you I would do for you? And I said, I don't remember, Lord. <laughs> what did you tell me? And the Lord quickened Isaiah. I'll tell you, I love what the Holy Spirit, and you know what Jesus said in John 14, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the truth. And, I, and the Lord said, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And so I begin, and, and the lady, she's, she's kind of a little bit perturbed because she's wasting time and there's other clients behind her that she needs to do MRIs for that day. And she says, Mr. Galligan, you, you have a decision and choice to make. You know, either you're going to f- follow through with this or you need to cancel and maybe reschedule uh, this, but you need to make a decision because I, I can't waste time here. And I said, man, I, I hear you. Uh, wow, I was not thinking I'm, I didn't know I was claustrophobic. I'm in fear and being that tight thing. And I start a little bit of hyperventilating. And what I started to do, is I started to sing. And she says, whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. And I just said, thank you, Lord. Oh, God, you're an awesome God. And she says, are you a religious man? Yep, I'm a religious man. I, I need God right now. I just said, thank you, Lord God. You're so faithful. And she slid me in that thing. And here's what happened. I started to recount the things that God has done in my life, given me breakthrough miracles. And I, I started to dream intentionally. I, I literally took my mind and I focused my mind and I went completely through that MRI and she pulled me out and I got a good MRI that day. But I want to tell you something. I, I literally was able to deal with that fear because I got a hold, how many of you know we got to get a hold of our thoughts? You know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And one of the things I was doing is I began to sing. I'm not kidding you. I started singing. Now I wasn't shouting. I wasn't shouting down the hospital. But I would just start to say, thank you, Lord. You're an awesome God. Lord, you gave David. Lord, triumph. You gave him victory, oh Lord. I remember I was reciting Psalms 18 and Psalms 149. And praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. And I was thinking about how God's presence descended on the sacrifice of Solomon in scriptures and stories in my mind. And all through that MRI, because of the stories and the scripture I knew, I was able to come through that. Now, I do want to say I still don't like MRIs. But I want to tell you something. It's amazing how when you begin to use the Word of God, it begins to give you strength. Amen? God wants to bring you from your world into his world. I want you to see something in Mark chapter 6. 
Mark chapter 6. This, remember what Jesus is doing. Jesus on earth, he comes to bring the message of the kingdom. And in John chapter 6, again, very important passage here where Jesus is walking on the sea. This is after the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the multitude. Immediately he made his disciples, verse 45, Mark 6, 45, to get into the boat, to go before him to the other side. Everyone say to the other side. God wants to bring us to another side. Amen. How many of you know he wants to bring you to a new side? He wants to bring us to the other side this morning. It says, I want you to get in the boat, uh, to go to the other side of the Seda while they sent the multitude. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And when the evening had come, the boat was in the middle. In the middle of a MRI machine for me. In the middle of the sea. And he was alone. Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw them straining. Everyone say he saw them. I want you to know. How many of you know that God sees you when you're straining? He sees you when things are opposing you. He sees you. When you're in the middle of things and the forces of hell are nipping, he see. turn to your neighbor and says, he saw it. He saw exactly what you went through. He sees you going through this thing right in the middle. And it says, he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was contrary. Now, it was about the fourth watch. The fourth watch, by the way, is between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning of the night. And he came to them walking on the sea, and he would have passed by them. Notice that. Jesus was going to pass by. Do you know why Jesus was going to pass by? Because Jesus actually believed. He actually believed that they were going to be able to handle this problem. Do you know that God believes that you believe in what you know? He actually believes that you know in what you know you believe in it. The Holy Spirit believes in you. God the Father believes in you. We are the only ones that don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe. He was going to pass by because he thought they learned a valuable lesson from the feeding of the 5,000. But here he goes on to say he would have passed by. Verse 49, and when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and we're troubled. Everyone say troubled. Let me tell you something. One of the things that's difficult for any believer is when you are in the middle of a problem and God begins to show up and it makes you upset. There's a lot of churches today. God is moving by His Spirit. Ministries are upset. And here's the reason. Because they're not looking for it. They're not expecting God to move. And so when they see something, they're troubled by it. How many of you know, I don't want to be troubled when I see something supernatural happen. I don't want to be troubled. I don't want to, I, I don't want to have my program so fixed. I don't want to have things going my way that when God begins to do something out of the ordinary that I say, I, I don't know if that's what I want to have happen. I, I want God to just come and mess up everything. Sometimes I want God to do something that it might trouble me. It might not necessarily set with me because I've not understood something. But God's going to take us to the other side. He's taking us to the other side. And it says here, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said, be a good chair. It is I, do not be afraid. And when he went up to the boat to them, 
And the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves, beyond measured, and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. Now what in the world does the feeding of the 5,000 have anything to do with Jesus calming the troubled sea? What this tells us is one test that we go through is preparation for something else coming up ahead. God is using something you've walked through before and the miracles He's brought provision for is to set you up for something else. Amen? Some of you may not even realize that. Wow, God met my needs here, provided a job, opened promotion for me, and all of a sudden, you feel like you came out of the fire and right into the frying pan again with another problem. Get ready. God brought a miracle in your life because He was setting you up for a much bigger test, but also for much bigger promotion. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to write three things down about faith. Because, see, one of the things that we need to understand is that faith, faith in God is more than just acquiring knowledge. It's more than just memorizing Scripture. The Bible says that faith works by love. Everyone say love. You see, if you don't love Jesus... It's because you don't know Jesus. I remember a young man, another person came up and said, Pastor Ray, I just got to confess something. I just, I just don't love Jesus. I just don't love him. I, I, I just don't. You know what I said? I want to thank you for being honest. I said, you know, I've been there too. There's been many times I didn't love God. I didn't even like God. There's been times where I didn't have any good feelings towards God. And it's because, here's the reason, because I didn't know God. You know what? You can be raised in the church and still not go, know God. You may not know everything about Him, but the Lord, how many of you, aren't you grateful that God is so patient with us? He's gracious. He doesn't get mad at you because you have a bad day and you tell God you don't like Him. I want to tell you something. I want to lift some guilt right now and just speak to condemnation. God wants you to be honest with God about how you feel towards Him. He doesn't want to come, he doesn't want you to come and put a bunch of lying words. He doesn't want you to lie to him. He wants you to be honest. He wants you to be able to share what's in your heart. Just say, God, I'm really afraid today. Lord, I'm really scared. In fact, God, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Do you know that the Lord wants to hear your heart? Now, he doesn't want you to stay in that place, but he wants you to be honest. He wants you to be open with that. But he also wants you to be open to the fact that he's preparing you for promotion. He's moving you from your world to his world. How many of you believe God wants to use you to transform atmospheres? God wants to use you to tra- transform the atmosphere and the environment in your job or in your home. But here's one of the things God's going to do. He's going to put us in a situation. It might even be a mic, uh, uh, MRI machine. And it's in that time that you begin to develop faith as you begin to sing your praise. You begin to sing your song through the problem. Everyone say sing. How many of you have ever sung through a problem before? You may say, well, pastor, I'm no musician. I don't even have a voice. It doesn't matter. God's not looking for, a, God's not looking for some kind of an icon uh, uh, an American idol that can sing with vibrato. God, in fact, if you can squawk like a dog, man, that's, 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 that's beauty in the eyes of God's ears. He loves it. 
what he's after because we, we've so twisted the understanding of the purpose of music. Music wasn't for entertainment. Music was one of the things for music. It was a, it's considered a spiritual weapon for believers. It's one of the most amazing things that God uses to bring down strongholds. Not only music was used for that, but music was in the Old Testament was used for memorizing Scripture, to memorizing principles. And so when you begin to memorize, when you begin to sing praise, and it, it begins to transform your perception. You, you begin to see things in a whole different light. Here, they're, as, they're, as they're going through this, Jesus, or the, the Holy Spirit in Mark says, for they had not understood about the loaves. What was it about the loaves they didn't get? Well, let me tell you something here. First of all, Jesus was not interested in just calming the sea and showing off his power. That does not impress Jesus. He wasn't there just to say, hey, guys, I want you to know how powerful I am. I can calm the sea. I can just make things nice and easy for you. That was not what Jesus was doing. Jesus wanted to calm the seas and the winds that was inside their heart. That's what he was after. God was looking. He was addressing the winds and the waves and the unbelief and the fear that was inside of them. How many of you know that when you can sleep in your storm, that means you've conquered your storm? Jesus slept through the storm because the storm didn't conquer him. He conquered it. God wants us to learn how to sleep through our storm, but you can only sleep through a storm when you know who you are. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know what team you're on. You've got to know the authority that you possess as a believer. That no weapon, no, no power on earth can come against you unless the Father lets it happen. You see, Jesus could sleep through storms. He could calm whims because Jesus had total peace inside. The, all, the whole point of calming the sea, here's the point. Notice something back in verse Verse 41, Mark chapter 6, verse 41. We find here something here. Here's what they didn't understand about the loaves. Remember the loaves. They were in a wilderness. They ran out of food, ran out of bread. They were going to send everyone home to buy bread. Jesus said, don't send them home. You feed them. Everyone say, you feed. God wants you to understand that every single one of us has something inside of us to transform the environment around us. Jesus was trying to get them to use what he knew they had in them, but they didn't see it yet themselves. Notice what Jesus does here in verse 41. This is after he finds the small fish and the loaves of bread. I love what Jesus does here. The first thing he does in verse 41, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, notice three words here, and he looked up. Everyone say look up. Jesus didn't look at the crowd. He didn't look at the fish. He didn't look at the size of what they had. He looked up. He had his eyes fixed on the Father. You know one thing, I, I want to say something about this church. There are some incredible leaders here. I am so proud of you guys. There's some incredible leaders that have father's hearts and mother's hearts. You're incredible leadership. You have an amazing influence and you're blessing people. You are being a strength to people, and you have salt, and you're bringing a seasoning in your environment around you. You're, there, there's a friendship. There's a life on you, and I commend you in the Lord. I just felt like the Lord speak to me this morning. He says, New Life Fellowship, they need to understand that they 
are sitting as kings and priests, and the Father is proud of you. He's proud of you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's proud of you. Now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor, you don't know the whole truth about me. I want to tell you something. I don't know have to know the whole truth about you because Jesus' blood has wiped your past clean. And the only thing that needs to be worried about is the only thing that the Father ever sees is what Jesus did on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice that provides perfect righteousness. And our, our Jesus calls us friends. You see, here's the thing. The reason why the disciples were afraid is they didn't know. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know that Jesus, not only in the boat, Jesus was trying to say, I don't have to be in your boat. If I'm in your heart, if I'm in your life, there's power to affect the environment around you. Jesus, it says that he looks up. Three things about faith. Number one, faith always looks up. Faith has your eyes on what he says about you. What does he say about me? He says, I'm blessed. He says, I'm redeemed. He says, I'm called. He says, I've been raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. He says, I am obedient. He says, I'm a mountain-moving, giant-killing, boat-sinking, promise-keeping servant, son and daughter of the king, and no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I am not just going to survive. I'm going to thrive. You see, when you come to understand that, you are going to see some things happen. Here's the point. I want you to jump over with me into James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Notice this powerful text. James 1. Notice what it says, verse 5. James 1, 5. Two more things about faith. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Everyone say liberally. God wants you to start asking. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. When you've been in a place, when's the last time... You not only asked from God, but you gave thanks for the answer. God wants you to start giving thanks before you even see the answer. But I've got to keep my eyes up. I've got to stop looking at the problem. I've got to stop looking at my own lack. I've got to keep my eyes on him. Notice what he says. He gives liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. It will be given. But let him ask in faith with no Doubting. Everyone say no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Driven and tossed by the wind. What was Jesus doing back in Mark 6? He was trying to get the wind and the instability out of those disciples. It wasn't the wind that was outside. It wasn't what was blowing them around. It wasn't your unpaid bills it's not your bad boss it's not your bad job it's not your marriage it's not your kids god wants to deal with the billows and the winds and the waves that's blowing on the inside and he says he who doubts is like a sea is like a wind blow blown in the wind in other words you just you just feel like you are out of control you feel like you're a victim in a situation like that what Jesus here, what the Holy Spirit is saying, two things about my faith. Number one, faith looks up. The second thing about faith here is that faith speaks. Everyone say speak. Jesus spoke to the wind. The Bible says that 
Because we have received the Holy Spirit, we have the same spirit of faith, and we speak. You know what? When I went into that little MRI cubicle, that little round thing, man, I was doing a lot of talking, and I was doing a lot of singing. Let me tell you why faith is so important when you speak it. Because do you know that your mind is constantly contrary? Your mind is constantly contrary to the things of God. Your mind is a stronghold. Your mind has opinions. Your mind has ideas. Your minds have thoughts. Your mind has memories of things that people have told you. And the only way that you can break down those strongholds is when you speak the word of God. Because when you speak the word, it transforms your mind. But a lot of people say, well, pastor, I don't feel like speaking it because my mind doesn't believe it. See, faith means that you speak no matter what you think. Because the word of God transforms your mind because your mind is off center. My mind isn't right. My mind limits God. My mind limits me. My mind. And so there's many times when I come into the house of the Lord, you know what I'm going to do? Lord, I'm going to raise you. I'm going to worship you, Lord. My mind says, don't praise God, you hypocrite, Ray. You, you weak, weakling. No, I'm going to praise God because Jesus said to praise him. My mind is fighting what I'm saying, but I'm going to let my faith win out and I'm going to speak the word of God. And guess what? The word is what transforms your mind. And it's faith in God that opens the door. It unties God's hand so he can work for you. The third thing about faith this morning in dealing with depression is faith enters into rest. It rests. Everyone say rest. God wants you to come into that place of rest. Faith enters into rest. How does faith enter into rest? Faith enters into rest is when the confidence that you have comes in the knowledge of who you know and whom you have believed in. Jesus loves you so much. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, my rest comes by knowing who I put my faith in. And you see, let me tell you something, folks. We never have to be victims. Never have to be victims of depression. God has given us, amen, power. The purpose of the, the story on the lake here, when Jesus got in the boat, he calmed the sea, was not about just giving them an exhibition to showing off his power that he could do it. No, he wanted to deal with the bigger storm that was in their heart. He wanted to deal with the bigger winds that were coming against their mind. He wanted them to realize that real victory is not happen because circumstances are going your way. He wants you to know that real victory takes place because you've learned to calm the seas inside. It doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. By the way, let me tell you, in America, I'm not a pessimist. I believe God's going to, there's revival coming. I believe God's going to do amazing things in our nation. I really believe that, contrary to what things are happening. But I do believe the reason why the church is going to be triumphant, we're going to see some amazing revival, people are going to come to the Lord, is because when, when people that do not know Jesus see you enter into faith, when they see you resting, when they see you having joy, when they're not having joy, and it's because of whom you have believed in, it's because Jesus has brought life, he's revealed himself to you as the Alpha and Omega. He's come to you in a special way. Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads, shall we?
Let's bow our heads this morning. I believe that the Lord is moving us from our world into his world. He's calling us to call those things that are not as though they are. He's calling you to be radical in your decisions. He's calling us to be radical in how we think, how we speak, how we dream. It doesn't matter if you're in a doctor's office and you're scared to death, you're going into an MRI canal. I want to tell you something. God wants to give you songs. He wants to give you songs of praise. He wants to give you the victory.